Welcome everyone to this new episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. Today I have with me Jacqueline Berger. She calls herself a data scientist in progress, but she is also a drilling engineer. She has a very interesting history. Welcome Jacqueline. Yeah, thank you for having me on, on your podcast. I feel very honored to, to be part of this series. Thank you for giving uh, me your time. It's an honor because I know all of us are busy and I'm always happy to have women like you with such interesting journeys on my podcast. So, um, of course, I stalked you on LinkedIn and I looked at <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at your profile in detail and you're an alumni of the Leoben um, Montan University and you studied there and I see you have been doing very interesting things you've worked for OMB and for Petrum I think you uh, you went to Romania and uh, worked with the engineers there and I also saw you were in Tunisia and worked uh, for another company. Of course, as a drilling engineer, that makes sense because it's a very international job. Um, and it, But it seems your life has been very interesting. And now you're leaving this interesting life for an adventure in data science. So tell me, why are you transitioning? Yeah, actually... I also experienced my life as a petroleum engineer as um, very interesting and especially traveling and being international was a big contribution uh, that I also am very thankful because it gives so much experience. But at some point in time when I was thinking about family and kids, um, I really tried to combine this lifestyle into my world. But after maternity leave, I just didn't feel I fit um, anymore. So I had to look for an alternative. And I was really open to different options, not only tech, so all kinds of different new um, professions. Uh, I was screening through all of them. And in the end, I, I landed in informatics and data science, yes. So I saw that um, because you mentioned your maternity leave, I saw you were working for Schlumberger and then you went on maternity leave and then you came back to Schlumberger, which is interesting because when I think of Schlumberger, I think of sparkling wine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the typical view in Austria. Schlumberger means the wine, the, the, the champagne and everywhere else in the world, it's it's oil and gas. So that that is really, it's really funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a, I think that's just a side um, story. But I found that interesting when thinking, okay, do they do what do they do with oil and gas? Um, so oil and gas is a very male dominated field. Tell me a little bit about working in male dominated fields. How do you did you experience that? Um, to be honest, it has advantages and disadvantages. It really depends on the industry, I guess, but for oil and gas in particular, I can say that it is male dominated, but not in a way that I felt suppressed by my gender. So I never felt like people didn't trust in my abilities because I'm a woman, uh, especially on the rigs where there was physical work required. When men see you really trying your best, they will just run around and ask for if, if they can help. They will rarely stand there watching you lifting the most heaviest stuff around. And 
also surprisingly technology takes a lot of work that we think is still physical there's a lot of machinery and tools and strategies where even you as a woman who is not like probably packed with muscles you can do the same job because technology enables us to do so so the male dominated industry yes it is male dominated but i have not experienced it in in, in a very negative way to be honest mm -hmm. Interesting that you say that because that reminds me of my own experience and I have basically the same experience I used to work for another company where we have this big servers, VU units and they were really heavy. And I never struggled because there was always when, you know, when I arrived with these big boxes, there was always a man who was willing to help me, you know, carry stuff. And, and I never felt that they, you know, they just wanted to see me fail or anything. So they were always very supportive. So and that's, that's good to hear that it's the same thing in the oil and gas industry. So coming back to your transition, because I do understand that this life of traveling and being on rigs doesn't necessarily jive with being a mother. Um, and you said you looked at a couple of different professions and options, and then you kind of zoomed in on uh, informatics and data science. Tell me what interests you about that? Uh, I think I had a, a common uh, denominator with data science, which is the data. So it was not going out too far in my comfort zone, because also in my previous job, I was working with data because mm -hmm. on these rigs, all the tools and, and the rig itself is equipped with sensors that are streaming data in real time, and they have to be analyzed and plotted. So working with data was not entirely new to me, but however, on a completely different level, of course, in Excel spreadsheets or in our internal software creating PDFs. Mm -hmm. But I felt I like that part of the job. So especially when things go wrong, they will go to the drilling engineer and they will say, okay, can you show me based on the data what was happening and when did it happen, this kind of stuff. So that was already something I've did before and I felt very competent. And that's why data science and working with data felt like a, a reasonable step. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you didn't have a barrier between uh, when looking at, at data and numbers because you were already familiar with that. So, so you decided to go to the um, university, the college in, in Krems, I think, the mm -hmm. FH Krems. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. So what kind of, of um, study are you doing there? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. So the, the study program was just started a year before I, I was interested or I looked at the curriculum. So it's brand new. My class is the second cohort starting there. Mm -hmm. And what I liked was that the entire program is in English. So it's a bachelor's program of six months. And the entire program is in English, which was really appealing to me because in the end, I still want to stay international. Even if I cannot travel now, I might later. And um, if you want to work for the big tech companies, I think then English is, is just a must. So <clears throat> that was really appealing to me. And then also, since it was new, the program was so new, the program director also tried to really get a lot of external lecturers in there to meet industry needs, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is, is really helpful because I was looking for this hands-on experience. I didn't want to go too deep into the theory because I wasn't planning to go for a research job, right? I wanted to be still an engineer in the end. So I wanted to have hands-on experience. 
and the three years bachelor just fitted uh, money-wise and time-wise into my schedule. Yeah. So on the one hand, that sounds super interesting. And the other, but the other thing I want to talk about um, is, so I have talked to a lot of women who have switched in the middle of their career from somewhere else to, to informatics. And I want to talk about that whole journey of switching careers in the middle of your life. So there's so much going on, I think, with, with your life. So you have this, uh, you have a little child at the moment, and at the same time, you're going to university. And um, you're, I mean, you're usually when you go to university, you're like 18, 19 in, in Austria. And you're obviously also older than your colleagues, probably. Yeah. I don't know, but um, correct I me. Have, I I'm the, the oldest in my class. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so how do you, how do you handle all these things? You know, how, how do you cope with all these things? So um, I took a video actually on my first day to school. I took a video in the, and I came late. Yeah. So it was raining cats and dogs and I, I was super early, but there was an accident just in front and I got stuck and late on my very first lecture. And I thought like, what a nice start. <laughs> so, but still on the way to Krems, I took a video in my car and I was trying to record a message for my future self. And I, I haven't looked at it since then because I want to do it at the end of my program mm -hmm. and in this video I was mentioning all my doubts all my uh, fears what can happen of course if, if, if I'm 35 when I started mm -hmm. my biggest fear was how, how would I fit into this class obviously I will not be like the others I will be different can I really study all this new content and yeah but in the end, I just said, okay, let's go give it a try. And then I had such a nice experience in my very first lecture. We had this get together sessions where like you would interview the person sitting next to you. How, what, where is the, what is the background, where the person comes from? So I did that with my partner. And then the lecturer said, did any one of you find out something interesting from these talks? And the neighbor next to me was raising his hands. Oh, yes, she worked for oil and gas. So exciting. <laughs> and then I felt immediately all these fears like, okay, yes, I'm different. But apparently people still think it's, it's different in a positive way, right? Yeah. And I think that's the thing with being different. Um we all experience this, this feeling of maybe not belonging in certain situations and, you know, just understanding that your difference may be what makes you special. I think that's so important and, and so uplifting at the same time. So it's good to hear that you had that immediately when you start. <laughs> Usually it takes a little bit of time. Um, so tell me about um, your, your uh, classmates. Are, they, are there a lot of women there? So we started, so the class was like a school class, more or less 34. We started with 34 people and we were eight girls. Okay, so not surprisingly bad. Surprisingly many, yes. Mm -hmm. We had the big problem that we started entirely online. So we really, due to COVID, we only had two days in presence where we could see each other. And then we spent the entire semester online. So to be honest, the first semester, I hardly had a chance to connect with my classmates. And after the first semester, you could see in our Telegram group, people just dropping out. They didn't even say bye or anything. Mm 
So I I was shocked to see that because I thought that's that's just feels wrong. It cannot be. And then I really started to actively individually call my classmates and say, hey guy, what is your what do you do in your free time? And or to the girls, what do you enjoy about this class and so on? And then I really actively made it my goal to make this a class. And then I only found out that apparently I have, a, I was super lucky to get into this class because there is a really nice um, atmosphere. People work together, they help each other. There is no, nobody competes against each other. And um, I'm very happy that we kept most of the girls. Actually, only one dropped out from the program and the other one um, got pregnant and is is on a break now but she will join us um, after maternity leave she will continue the program wow that's so interesting and it brings me to a topic that i think that um, is quite relevant for also for women working in in tech and other you know male dominated fields women tend to pick up you know this emotional label because that's something we're good at and I think you as being the oldest in that environment um, made you like the perfect person to bring the group together, which is a skill. I mean, this is something that women bring to the workplace, bringing teams together. And I think it also shows a form of leadership. And I see big things in your future, even if you don't see them. <laughs> because, you know, showing this kind of initiative and, and motivation to actually, as you said, make this a class or make something a team and bringing people together, trying to understand what, what they're interested in. That's a very important, very, very important skill. And it will be more and more important in the future when we will be working with more diverse teams and our leaders need exactly those skills. So, yeah, um, and very, very interesting anecdotes about, about your university. And I love what you did there. Um, Thanks. Talking about the future, um, when you think uh, you, you chose data science, obviously, but when you think about the future, what is it uh, that you plan to do with your certificate or your, what, what's it called? Your um, bachelor's degree? Yeah, your bachelor's degree, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, uh, for a very long time, I was really desperate because I started the study program and for an entire year, I had no clue what to do because it said specialization in data science, but the first two semesters or three, you don't see anything from data science as such. And then we had all these other classes and I'm like, what am I going to do with that? And then suddenly all the interesting stuff pops up like cybersecurity, which um, is kind of, I was always shaken between cybersecurity and data science. And now the cloud starts to pop up and I feel like in a candy shop, you know, the kid goes in the candy shop and you can pick like one thing when you leave and you're like, oh, I want this, but also that looks so nice. And um, it's a very hard decision but I think the, it will come to that the, the big players will be cybersec and data science. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends actually said, why don't you do data science in cyber tech, <laughs> in cybersecurity? And I was like, yeah, actually, why not? Sounds crazy. But if there is one thing about IT, there are jobs 
that will develop that are not even yet established. So everything is possible. But to be honest, I still haven't fully made my mind. But data science is where I think I will feel more suited due to my previous background, simply because I've worked with data before. I've worked with clients before. Um, I can. I have a feeling about their needs. As you said, surprisingly good uh, team player skills that I developed through my son because before being a mom I was uh, on my own go my way I don't care left and right <laughs> so yeah it, it, it will be most likely data science or science you touched on a very interesting thing because I think most people don't realize that um, there's a lot of data in security so uh, as you know I was working for VMware and one of the products we, we acquired was last line and what one part of what that does is it takes all the information from the network and analyzes it and then decides whether something is a threat or not. And that is the big thing, you know, taking all that information that you get from different points in your network, in your infrastructure, from sensors, from this place, from this, from your sandbox, from your um, from, from your network and, and correlating that and, and understanding is this some form of behavior that could pose a threat is going to be one of the next, it's actually the, the big thing at the moment, you know, doing these things. So yes, it's actually uh, possible to use your data science knowledge and the knowledge of, of how to create or shape the, the, the algorithms that, that will analyze the data in cybersecurity. So that might actually be a way to go if cybersecurity is something that interests you. Um, you said that at the beginning you had all these things that weren't interesting. What, what, what was that? What were you doing when you thought, oh my God, what is this? Why, why am I here? Yeah, so databases, definitely not my, uh, <laughs> my preferred um, area. And also things like logic. It, like when you have a class that is called logic or theoretical computer science, mm -hmm that these were just things that were so abstract on a level that I thought like, what, what am I doing here? But in order to help people cross-changing from other industries into IT, I have an initiative with my school. Mm -hmm. So I asked my program director if I'm allowed to use the Media Lab and make some videos about our courses. And he was immediately like, yeah, go for it, Jacqueline, do it. You have my um, support. So what I'm doing there is I'm interviewing the lecturers in just a couple of sentences, what their classes is about and what they're doing. And the logic lecturer was one of them, actually. That's why I remember this now. Um, for people who are from outside, just to get an idea, what, what, what is this about? It doesn't like if you read a programming class, totally makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Databases as well. But then if you start to have descriptive names of, of, of lectures, because you're simply not from the industry, and then it helps just to get an idea, what is it? And maybe it, it, it uh, weakens the barrier for you to say, okay, I can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a marvelous idea. Uh, so what happened to those videos? Are they on the webpage of the FI Krems now? Or what did you do with those? They will be posted on YouTube, on, on their channel. Mm -hmm. And I think during summer, so we should be able to expect them soon, but they are still in, in the cutting phase. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I think that ties in so much with the what I always say. Okay, we always talk about we're working in tech or we're studying something to, in tech, and nobody knows what it really means, you know. And that and that's just the next step, the next granularity. So then you decide to go into a study, or you want to decide, and you, you read, you know, the curriculum, and you have no clue what all these things means. And now you have the chance to look at it. And I think that's something that every university should have for every actually for every single study you know, a, an, an explanation what the different classes will give you. So that's perfect. <laughs> that's such a great idea. I love that. I will hand um, it over to the to the FH if they want to extend it to the different programs. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be, I, I think it would be really be amazing. And especially for people who are not from the field. I mean, a lot of men, you know, when they are younger, they start out um, already interested in computers. They have already, you know, a certain background. A lot of women don't, or a lot of people who actually come from other fields. And for them, it would be especially useful to understand what is the role of logic in, in, in computers? Why do I need to understand that? Or do I need to understand which part do I need to, to understand? And all these things and databases. Yes, not necessarily terribly interesting, but so important. I mean, how do we store data? What does that look like? What does that mean? Is there a difference between the database we use in the use in the past and in what we're doing now and all these things? It's, it's just so important. Yeah. And I think in particular, a big um, unknown or a big question mark in tech is the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started in oil and gas, people were talking and I had to Google every fifth word in that sentence because mm -hmm. they have their own way of talking and you feel so lost. But after some time, you grow into this. Mm -hmm. And the same happened in IT. I started completely from new. People were talking and using terms, abbreviations. And you're like, OK, wait a second. I need to Google this. What is that? I, I can't remember that anymore. So the good thing is, from my previous um, degree, I know you will grow into this. It is totally fine not to understand everything. This will come with the time. Yeah. And that's an important experience experience to make really because I just when you were saying this I remembered when I started at VMware and I came from um, a more hardware focused uh, life with more network and security background and I started at VMware to work in the networking and security business unit yes but um, there's this whole VMware world and it's full of abbreviation that you've never heard before sometimes abbreviations that you've heard before but they mean something else and yeah. I thought I think it was really for two, three, four months, I was worried that I'd made the wrong decision because I couldn't understand anything. People were talking to me and it didn't, you know, it didn't make any sense because all the words they were using, the abbreviations they were using, I did not understand them and I did not know what they mean. And they actually have an internal um, um, database where you can search all these abbreviations because... Oh. <laughs> because they know there are too many but but I think that's an experience you make every time um, you switch a field or you come into a, some new kind of technology I thinking about it I really also had that when I started working at Riverbed and, and went deeper into the networking space I also had that for a couple of, of months you know this adaptation phase that you talked about and uh, I think it's good to talk about that as well, because it makes people understand that they're not alone, because when it happens to you, you feel like you're an idiot, because all of a sudden you, <laughs> you seem to have lost the ability <laughs> to understand words. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. But we shouldn't feel like idiots or we should, I, 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 I like to read sometimes this uh, motivational quotes and one of them was saying, embrace the suck. So really be brave enough to suck at something. Just say, that's how it is. I can handle it. It won't stay like that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the, the important point. It won't stay like that. And that is the experience you make when you go through that and, um, you know, just try to get over that sucky period then you realize um that's that's um that's that it's possible to overcome these things and that's where we are in the whole area of personal growth and this is i think your journey because what you are you're on a personal growth journey from one field to the other switching careers you know and um, personal growth is a lot about um getting out of your comfort zone you know and whenever you get out of your comfort zone there's a high chance that things will suck for a little bit you know or be scary or not comfortable and that's exactly what happens there true i can only agree on all of this <laughs> so coming to motivational quotes because you mentioned that um, one of the things i always ask uh, the women on my series is uh, what did you learn what would you tell young women who are going into this field or trying to for example in your case your your case is such a wonderful example of uh, you know someone switching a career and and making it work um what would you recommend what's the tips you have for these mm -hmm. women so i have three things the first one is Never compare yourself with others. You only compare yourself with yourself the day before or the week before or the year before. And the further you look back, you will be totally mesmerized about your growth because we tend to look forward, not backwards, right? But don't compare with your classmates. In my class, of course, I'm not even daring to compete with uh, programming skills from a 20-year-old who's doing this since he's probably 14. Mm -hmm. Of course not. But that's okay. I will look at the progress at my journey, what I did in the last two years. That's the first one. The second one is be kind to yourself. Don't try to dump yourself and say things like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Because self-talk is really underestimated. It does something to your brain without you noticing it. It makes you smaller. Talk to yourself. When you say something, think about would you say that to your best friend you would never say to your best friend after getting a bad grade oh my god you're so stupid you would never do that right so don't do it to yourself mm -hmm. be kind to yourself allow yourself for mistakes you're a person a human being not a machine that's okay <laughs> and um the last thing is that when you're about to do something like a career change or you are attempting to and you are really scared and afraid of the consequences, try to embrace that feeling. Accept it because normally being afraid of something like that means you are going to do something really, really brave, something really big. So embrace it, accept it and go through that. Yeah. Wow, this is really wise words. All three, I would definitely underline immediately. <laughs> Comparison is really the, the the death of any joy, you know, because uh, whatever you've achieved and in, in your journey is yours, you know, it's your growth and comparing it to someone who has been doing something forever or, you know, just, just kills all the joy you have in your success. Yeah. 
Yeah, and self-talk, such an important thing. And um, because we all do it, we don't even notice anymore, you know, just being really, uh, just just um, being a little bit more aware of what you're doing in your brain and how you're putting yourself down. Um, that That is really helpful. Yes. Great. Um, thank you so much for, for this. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the best on your further journey. You. And um, yeah, I see great things in your future, Jacqueline. Oh, thank you. It, it means a lot to me that you say that because I know you have a very broad picture on people in the street. And I'm a big fan of your work as well. I totally support that people need to be visible to motivate others you need to show it's possible for others to make the step as well so thank you for your podcast and all the work you're doing for visibility thank you so much Jacqueline <laughs>